just in time for summer, the folks at Epic Brewing have released a new canned cocktail, the Utah Margarita. A delicious blend of real lime and agave, the Utah Margarita is ready to drink by the river or in the park. And here's the kicker, no need to buy it at a liquor store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or visit Epic Brewing on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. Here's what Salt Lake's talking about. Who can afford to live in Salt Lake County? It's a question that could define our city's character for generations. In the first half of our show, Salt Lake Tribune data reporter Andy Larson is here to break it down. Then producer Ivana Martinez joins me in the second half because I have big feelings about the in and out in South Salt Lake. And of course, picks of the week. It's Friday, October 6th. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Andy Larson, welcome back to CityCast Salt Lake. Good to see you. It's always good to be on the show. It's fun. Yeah, you were just on a fun vacation, too. So also welcome back to Salt Lake City. Thank you. Still my homeland. You you went on a great vacation, too. So like this is we, we've did. both had our European adventures. That's <laughs> true. Funny that we're going to talk about walkability today. Feels right. <laughs> <laughs> we know a whole new world of walkability that uh, we were previously unaccustomed to. Yeah, we studied abroad in Europe once and now we only yeah. bike. <laughs> For a week, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, okay, before we get into the news of the week, I have an exciting announcement to share with you and our listeners, and that is that CityCast Salt Lake and our Hey Salt Lake newsletter, we are launching a membership program. Listen, we launched this show and our newsletter, Hey Salt Lake, almost two years ago, Andy, which is crazy. Um, we've published more than 400 editions of our newsletter and this podcast. And one thing that's been consistent that I hear from people all the time who are listeners or readers is, how do we support your work? We love this. We love waking up with Therina and Hey Salt Lake. We love listening to the pod. We love the Friday Roundup. Like, how do we show up for you in exchange? And we didn't have a very good answer for a while. We are like, uh, tell a friend. Now we do. You can become a member. You can do it by going to membership.citycast.fm. Um, a good question is, why become a member? What's the point, <laughs> yep. right? <laughs> so off the bat, there's one big perk, which is ad-free listening. I saw a tweet uh, oh, a couple months ago now from someone that really moved me. It basically made me want to cry, which was, it's hard to imagine Salt Lake City now without the CityCast brand of journalism. And if you feel that way, then becoming a member is your big chance to express that to us. We did early conversations with all the mayoral candidates on a single issue of homelessness. That's the kind of thing we can do on this show. It's really nice, right? Like this week there was a mayoral debate and we heard sound bites from every candidate and we're used to getting sound bites from candidates. It's nice that the format of this show allows for us to sit down with people and talk to them about issues a little bit more deeply. Um, and then like the silly stuff that makes living here really fun, like Darina doing a roundup of the best cheese fries in her newsletter, which is something you didn't even know could bring you so much joy. Not to mention one of the most clicked segments of our newsletter, which is Help Your Neighbor, which I think says a lot about the kind of community that we live in. So 
If you like the work that we do, check out the perks, consider becoming a member. Ad-free listening is awesome. Go to membership.citycast.fm and we look forward to seeing you on the other side, the member side. How'd I do, Andy? That was great. That was great. I, 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 I'm sold. Um, I would get. I, sold? You didn't tell me how much it's going to be. I, I, but I would pay you hundreds of dollars a month right now. <laughs> okay. Well, it starts at eight dollars a month. So okay. Well, that's pretty good too. <laughs> right. Okay. With that, thank you, Andy, for listening. Thank you to all of our listeners for becoming a member, for hearing us out. Let's get into the news. Andy, what are you working on this week? I'm working on affordable housing stuff, and in particular, I guess the lack of affordable housing because they're they're uh, you know obviously it is. I don't think it will surprise any of the listeners that it is hard to live affordably in Salt Lake City right now, Salt Lake mm-hmm. County generally too, given the cost of homes and the cost of rents right now in Salt Lake City. Absolutely bonkers. What are you finding? So the numbers aren't great. So I went through and downloaded every listing on Rentler, which I think is probably the most common rent search engine in Salt Lake County in in Utah right now. And, you know, it's good because it's coming from property management companies and just regular folks that have homes that are, you know, kind of onesie twosie landlords, you know? Yeah. So anyway, that's where I got the data from. And I also looked at wage data in Salt Lake County Mm. from the Department of uh, the Bureau of Labor Statistics to kind of figure out like, hey, how much are are Salt Lake County residents actually making right now, right? And, you know, the the goal here is all these different websites, kind of every financial advisor will tell you like, you really want to have your rent be about 30% of your income before taxes, right? And that number is actually kind of a old-fashioned number. Like, it came from the 70s and 80s, and it actually came from the federal government. They were looking at kind of who could afford, you know, affordable housing and, and kind of looked at kind of what typical families paid, and it was around, it was less than 30%, and they wanted to make sure that people were below that whenever possible. Yeah. I mean, I am terrible with money. And even I know that 30% stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely one of those kind of like ubiquitous things that's out there that is now, it's, you know, honestly, now things have changed so much. But uh, regardless, that's the number that we go with. So and the number of rentals that kind of fit this 30% criteria is like is tiny. Median income in Salt Lake County is about twenty two seventy an hour. Okay. Which gets you a, a salary of about $47,000 a year. That's the median, not the mean. Correct. That's okay. the median for just a one income in Salt Lake County as of May 2022, for its worth. Doesn't feel livable. Off the bat, that just doesn't feel livable. But, but yeah. Yeah, it's tough, right? And in fact, only 11.7% of rentals in Salt Lake County would be affordable by that metric, you know? So like you have 50% of the population making less than this and you have 11% of rentals available to them as something that's affordable without them being what economists call cost burdened, where, you know, all of a sudden you don't have enough money for other stuff or if something right. goes wrong, you know, your car breaks down or you have a hospital bill, you're, you're kind of out of luck. Mm-hmm. If you get up to like the 70th percentile and 90th percentile wage earners, like those people are doing okay. So like 90th percentile wage earners can afford 88% of rentals on the market. So like that matches up. That's good, right? That's kind of what you'd want. 
uh, 75th percentile can afford 63% of rentals. So all of a sudden, kind of that gap between 50 and 75th percentile wage earners is totally huge in terms of like how many actual rentals you can afford and whether or not you can afford a home in Salt Lake County. Right. For people who are in like the 25th percentile wage earners or the 10th percentile wage earners, it's just so tough. I mean, like 25th percentile wage earners can only afford 4% of the rentals out on the market. And when I say rentals out on the market, these aren't just like standalone. These include mother-in-laws. These include single room situations. I mean, this is kind of like everything, right? Right. That means you're sharing spaces with somebody else, which may or may not be plausible for like a single mother or single father. And in fact, I actually have the median income for single mothers and the median income single mother can only afford 19% of rentals in Salt Lake County. Mm. I I think we think about like housing affordability a lot in terms of, I, I think there's been a lot of conversation about how difficult it is to buy a home in Salt Lake County and, and, and in Utah, just because, you know, prices are so expensive, the mortgage rates obviously higher than they have been in the last decade. Rents suck too. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I think that's an important part of this conversation to be like, hey, you know, and, and if you look at kind of the jobs that make these 50th percentile wages, 25th percentile wages, you know, like these are mm-hmm. chefs, these are preschool teachers, these are construction workers, these are, you know, these are like real adult jobs that, you know, it, it's not like uh, summer jobs. These are kind of real employment situations that I, I think a lot of Salt Lake County residents choose to do and still find that finding a place to live in Salt Lake County is difficult or maybe even just infeasible. And it's also like something I can't help but think about hearing this is when we t- we're, t- we're not talking about Salt Lake City. We're talking about Salt Lake County, right? Which means you're probably also have to factor in the cost of commuting. Like the further outside of the city you get, the more affordable, in theory, your housing options become. But also you probably have to commute into the city to work. And that is an expense that it can be a huge barrier for people. Like I know that I have a friend who's a board member at the YWCA. And she told me that one of their biggest barriers to moving families out of their shelters and into housing is actually the the cost of gas to commute to work from where they would be housed that's not necessarily in Salt Lake City. Yeah, and I, I think that's totally a play. And, and honestly, one of the things I looked at for this article um, I was surprised to find, so I, I looked zip code by zip code, uh, every zip code in Salt Lake County, because I was curious too, like, hey, at what point, you know, where do you have to move essentially in order for rents to get affordable again, right? Yeah. I don't think there's not a magic answer. There's not like a magic move to Kearns answer and you're going to find affordable housing. Like the apartments in Kearns are also still expensive. You know, like if you go into that zip code, if you go into the West Valley zip code, if you go, even if you go like down to Riverton or whatever it is, right? Like you're still still going to find the majority of housing is unaffordable for 50th percentile income earners. Yeah. You know, it gets easier if you have two incomes, certainly, and there's families that can pull that off. Um, but again, like for single mothers, single fathers, for people with kids, I mean, it, it's really, 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 really tough. Well, I got to say, I mean, laying it out like this, is, I think, important because then it helps us as residents understand what we need to be asking for in terms of good governance from local leaders. But this is also on the Utah legislature. Like, this is not the problem necessarily of the Salt Lake County Council or the Salt Lake City Council. Like, this also is a 
I mean, Salt Lake County is home to a third of the state's population. The yeah. Utah legislature should be examining this data closely and obsessing over solutions in a way that I don't know that they are, but that's just me. And agreed. And it's not just Salt Lake City or Salt Lake County. I mean, I, I think sometimes the idea from the legislature is like, oh, you know, liberal Salt Lake City has got their own weird ideas and, you know, its own mm-hmm. group, it's got its own problems that don't affect the rest of the state. I mean, if, if you still have these unaffordable problems in Sandy and Draper and West Jordan, then it, that's no longer kind of that same voting block. And I'll also say that I only looked at this for Provo Orem, uh, and, and really it's it's Utah County that the way that uh, the data gets broken down into, but mm-hmm. they have a higher rent income ratio than even Salt Lake County does. They're at 40% on average in terms of what they spend rent to income. Wow. So it's not necessarily better when you get to Utah County and you get to red zones and you get to the other population centers of the state. It may be worse. They have a little bit of a different, like, just kind of income structure there because of family size and, and college students, essentially, yeah. um, making up a larger percentage of their population. But still, like, those kids and, and those families on single income also have significant barriers to housing that like this, I don't think this is like a uniquely Salt Lake City problem. I, I agree that I think the legislature has to be really, really serious about how you figure out how to make you know life affordable for people across the state or certainly at least across the Wasatch Front. Yeah. Well, I got to tell you, so we have an episode upcoming Tuesday morning where we are talking to the Salt Lake City Council Chair, Darren Mano, about sort of cluster of affordable housing incentives that the city council is looking at adopting. And they're zoning things, so they're like kind of confusing, but our goal is to break it down and make it understandable. So this is a good, this really tees up that conversation, Andy, because what the Salt Lake City Council is trying to do is figure out how they can build more affordable housing, of course, in the city, but also how they can encourage the development of affordable housing in neighborhoods that historically have been reticent to it. And that is a really interesting conversation to be having, especially when there are city council seats on the ballot this year. So did you see that text that uh, Taylor Anderson posted on Twitter from uh, Tamor Samnani? Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was fascinating, right? I mean, that's what this is, is they're trying to change the zoning to allow fourplexes, et cetera, in single family neighborhoods. And uh, this guy is against it because, you know. People like their weird neighborhoods the way that they are. Neighborhood character. Yeah, this this text sent by a candidate, Tamor Samnani, who is running against current council member Dan Dugan um, in district, I think it's six, which is basically the East Bench, like one of the wealthiest areas of the entire state, Yeah, sent a text message to, uh, I don't know if it went out to his supporters or all voters, but basically saying that this set of considerations that the city council is taking up is bad and density belongs downtown, not in neighborhoods, which raises an interesting conversation about what neighborhoods are downtown. Like I live in the avenues. I consider us downtown. Like we are downtown in a major metropolitan area, one of the fastest growing in the country. We should be acting like we are people who live downtown, but that's me. The thing about this text that was so jarring is that he compares gentle density, quote unquote, to quote, tender extermination, end quote, which is, 
I mean, we don't have all the time in the world needed to unpack that, but that is quite a loaded and ludicrous comparison. Yeah. Um, no one is obviously trying to exterminate the people of the East Bench right. by building a fourplex so that <laughs> students at the so that the children of the residents of the East Bench can afford to live there too. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was wild. So yeah, we're gonna get into it more on Tuesday for sure. So this is a good little uh, preview. I'm looking forward to it. The Living Traditions Festival is back in downtown Salt Lake City, May 17th through 19th, and this is when I come alive. It is so easy to sell me on three days of Washington Square and Library Square converting to a global food court, and this festival has truly been one of my favorites for years now. Living Traditions convenes the diversity of artistic traditions, food heritage, music, and art from the many cultures that have made Utah their home. You can expect everything from live music and dance to hands-on workshops, a little shopping, Sundance film screenings, and Bohemian Brewery. There is something for the whole family, and it's free entry. Come celebrate all of the rich cultures that make up our community. Find more information on the festival and view the full program guide at livingtraditionsfestival.com or on Instagram and Facebook at SLC Living Trad. We talk a lot on this show about our city's crown jewels. What are the institutions that open doors in our community and regulate its pulse? I choose Salt Lake Community College, and it is a home for incredibly focused Salt Lakers. Nearly 80% of their students work while going to school, many full-time jobs. If I could do college all over again, I would not be 33 and sitting on these damn student loans. And slick students aren't. 80% graduate with little to no student loan debt or save thousands knocking out credits before transferring to a four-year institution. Every day, Salt Lake Community College is transforming lives and communities through education. If you wanna learn something new, refine a trade, or pursue a higher degree for the first time, explore your options at slcc.edu. Study alongside hard workers, save precious money, and be one in a class of 19, not 100. Producer Ivana Martinez, welcome to the show. Hi, Allie. We have to let listeners in on basically behind the fourth wall here, what just happened, yeah. which is our conversation with Salt Lake Tribune reporter Andy Larson was cut a little short because the Tribune office just had a fire drill. And the thing about fire alarms is that they're pretty alarming. <laughs> oh, 100%. You got to get out of the building because you don't know when it's a real fire. We thought he could record in his car. They closed the garage. Things really spiraled. Now you are joining for the second half of our Friday News Roundup because, uh, listeners, we would never do you like that. We're going to see things through, even though, Ivana, as I understand it, the fire truck on its way to the Tribune is passing your window right now. <laughs> That is true. So if you hear any noise in the background, that's because I live near a fire station. And, you know, the firefighters, they're on their way to go help Andy. So that's right. Let's get they're into the news. Their- <laughs> Andy, they're on their way. Andy, <laughs> don't worry. I've sent help your way. So. All right. Well, let's get back to the news because that is our job and we love to do it. That's right. <laughs> 
tell me about what happened this week. Basically, I'm obsessed with the fact that South Salt Lake is finally getting that in and out. Oh, yeah. And I got to tell you, it's interesting to me because when South Salt Lake got the jack in the box and you remember the lines down State Street. It was chaos down there. It was chaos. People were like still kind of medium stoked. Now it's been announced that in and out is going to the South Salt Lake Planning Commission to get their blessing to replace the Mad Greek 2 restaurant on 21st. And the people of South Salt Lake appear to be kind of pissed about it. (laughs) Wait, wait, why are they pissed? Because here's the deal. South Salt Lake as a city incorporated in 1938. And since then, being right next door to Salt Lake City... They have been trying to figure out what their future looks like. They don't want to be a weird suburban makeup of car lots and billboards and drive throughs There was talk about building a very walkable sort of quote-unquote downtown off 21st. Mm-hmm. There are very cool things happening there, like Craftoberfest and the South Salt Lake Fun Bus and Mural Fest. Like, are you kidding? Mural Fest is so yes. cool. The bars and, like, breweries that are lining up mm-hmm. there along, like, third uh, – what is that? Third – Along Third West, um, the Commonwealth Room, the State Room opened a second location, the Commonwealth Room. Like, it's kind of been happening, and yet they keep bumping up against this problem, which is that the population of South Salt Lake triples in the day. It is, like, continues to become more and more of a kind of commuter city. Yeah. And for that reason, like, they need to figure out how to grow into the quaint, charming, thriving, youthful city mm-hmm. that they want to be while also increasing their tax revenue, while also dealing with the zoning that for years has sort of foretold this kind of growth, which is Carlots and drive throughs Yeah, I mean, South Salt Lake is very, very car-centric. I was going down there the other day. There is no walkability in terms of, like, I want to get on, like, a bike or I want to walk through this area. Like, it feels very, like, you could get hit by a car in this area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, completely. And the fact that we're getting, you know, like, that that the In-N-Out is coming to this area. Like, I don't know if you've ever been at, like, an In-N-Out drive-thru, Ali. Oh, yes. But Uh I think it is one of the worst places to ever be because you are just stuck in there. And I always think back to the one in the Orem area and it gets jam packed. So I can't Mm -hmm. imagine how this is going to look in South Salt Lake. Like this proposal will have this in and out. I'm like, hmm, Mm -hmm. eyebrow raise. Mm -hmm. Correct. Nobody queues up like fans of In-N-Out. Look, am I going to eat at that In-N-Out? Probably. It is fun when your favorite chain pops up in your city, right? But at the same time, there have to be creative solutions. There has to be an alternative to let's just implode this part of the city that is our promised future, that is our downtown with drive-thrus. I mean, that's just heartbreaking to me, right? Yeah. Like, South Salt Lake is eclectic. Like, that's, they're supposed to be a city on the move. That's, like, their slogan. And yet it feels like their zoning is so backwards that it's just not keeping up with 
their vision. And I feel for them because it is really hard to undo a drive through Taylor Anderson, the editor of Building Salt Lake, wrote a piece about this. And there was a particular paragraph in there that I thought was quite striking. He said, quote, The area is supposed to be on its way to becoming a thriving urban district rising out of a former industrial wasteland. Instead, the city is doing what it can to turn it into a suburban dumping ground for big box retail and drive throughs with an occasional housing project mixed in. Yikes. One of the things that's so interesting to me about Salt Lake County is that it is full of these little cities that are kind of bedroom communities of Salt Lake City. You've got like, you know, Mill Creek, Cottonwood Heights, Murray, South Salt Lake. And I think it's an interesting problem to be trying to balance your quaintness which is probably the reason that you incorporated in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. Like you look at Mill Creek, like the quaintness of it is part of the plan, right? But at the same time, you are now a city. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Here's your shirt. <laughs> and you are adjacent to Salt Lake City, yeah. which means you need to compete with Salt Lake City to make hires right? To fund a police force, to fund a a fire station, to be able to meet infrastructure demands. You're probably also experiencing rapid growth because you're advertising yourself as a city. Like it's kind of all happening. You need to figure out how to generate tax revenue. And that can be really hard to do. Like I remember in Mill Creek, for example, Mm -hmm. they didn't get Brickyard when they incorporated like Brickyard, the Brickyard shopping mall with like the TJ Maxx and whatever, whatever, Mm -hmm. that technically belongs to Salt Lake City. And in 2019, Mill Creek was basically like, you need to give us Brickyard. We're taking it. We're We're investing Brickyard. We're taking it back. (laughs) Because it generates from three to four million dollars in taxes per year. And we need that money. So they tried to annex Brickyard and they weren't successful, Mm -hmm. right? Now they've built Mill Creek Common which is such an interesting approach to like just kind of just throwing down and being like, this is going to be our downtown. Like we're centralizing. Here Mm -hmm. it is. It's happening. South Salt Lake, kind of a similar problem, right? Like, I mean, every time that Tesla dealership (laughs) sells a car, (laughs) like they know they can pay a firefighter, you know? Yeah. But like they got to compete with Salt Lake City in a lot of ways. Like they're expected to perform like Salt Lake City, but they don't have the tax base. I mean, the, South Salt Lake triples in size in the middle of the day yeah, from car traffic and people who work there. And people who have to, you know, access the freeway too. Mm-hmm. So like they would like to be picky, right? Yeah. They would like to be selective like Salt Lake City and have a ton of money in their RDA, their, their redevelopment fund. But it's really hard to do. Like how do you come up with the revenue? Now, there are other options. Tell me about them. So something that cities that are in a similar predicament to South Salt Lake sometimes explore is basically, and like, don't pan, don't freak out, oh. <laughs> taxing, taxing people who work in the city but don't live there on their paychecks. Oh, this is interesting. So like a payroll tax for huh. people who spend the day in South Salt Lake, right? Maybe you work at a dealership there. You want to get lunch downtown. You drive into the city. You use the city's roads. Like from nine to five, 
you're utilizing all that the city has to offer. Mm-hmm. So maybe $2 comes out of your paycheck, every paycheck, to fund the city's enterprise. That's an option. Like, there are other options. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I think I hear the fire alarm. <laughs> <laughs> this time it's going off in my house. <laughs> this time it's in my head. Epic Brewing is one of the OGs in building Utah's craft beer scene. But I am most excited about their recent adventures in canned cocktails. First, they released the Utah Mule. And as a big fan of ginger, I have been sipping those for almost a year now. But now, this April, we have the Utah Margarita. A delicious, locally fermented blend of real lime and agave. And they create alcohol by fermenting cane sugar instead of using tequila, which means you can buy Utah margaritas at the grocery store. Pick up a six-pack of Epic Brewing's Utah Margarita or Utah Mule at any local Harmon's or Trader Joe's, or you can visit Epic Brewery on State Street in downtown Salt Lake City. They're open seven days a week. And this fall, look out for the Utah Cosmo. Mother's Day is on the horizon, and the good news is that you can find everything you need at Harmon's. Whether it's a little something to brighten Mom's Day or a memorable spread, here are a few ideas. For breakfast, try Harmon's house-baked cinnamon rolls with freshly squeezed orange juice and a package of fresh-cut strawberries. If you're spicing it up with Bloody Marys, don't forget that Harmon's has an olive bar with over 12 different varieties. Now flowers are the perennial favorite, and you can order online or pop by the store last minute. Shop succulents, potted plants, and elaborate arrangements. May's flower of the month is the hydrangea. Very appropriate. Hydrangeas are fragrant and elegant. And if sweets are in order, Harmon's has added raspberry to their selection of brownie flavors. Find all mom's favorites at your local Harmon's or order online at harmonsgrocery.com. Okay, uh, producer Ivana Martinez, let's get out of here. We have had a wild morning, but before we do, what is your pick of the week? Give me a pick of the week. Allie, my pick of the week is this event that's going on tonight. It is called Las Spookies, and it is a drag show that starts at 10 p.m. and part of the proceeds will be going to a local organization that fights for immigrant rights here in the state, Comunidades Unidas. And I'm really excited to check that out, Um, you know, supporting our local community and supporting our local drag performers. So that's my pick of the week. What about yours? Oh, gosh, that also sounds so fun because you and I both love listening to like Spanish language music and you just know this drag show is going to have the hits. Oh, 100%. The hits. I'm ready like, for people to come Selena out. Selena in the queue. Like <laughs> Gloria Trevi. Like I, I don't know mm-hmm. what to expect truly, but I think it's going to be a real treat. And you know that these like performers are going to go all out. Okay. That sounds so fun and love the work that CU does. My pick of the week, if I may, is related to the Salt Lake City Library, one of the crown jewels of our city, the downtown SLC Library, which before, I have to tell you, before I even moved 
to Salt Lake City. I was here visiting in the summer of 2017 when mm-hmm. there was the major eclipse, the oh total eclipse. The total eclipse and of the heart. the word of the year was <laughs> path of totality, total uh-huh. eclipse of the heart. And I watched the eclipse with the goofy little glasses mm-hmm. on the roof of the Salt Lake City Library. Oh my goodness. Little did I know. And that rooftop is getting a $7.9 million makeover, which is very exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, there are leaks up there, et cetera, et cetera, which, yeah, fix those, please. But also, they're going to turn it into a cooler space to hang out because it does get quite hot up there. There's going to be canvas sales, umbrellas. They're going to put trees up there. Like, oh, oh, my can't. goodness. I know. The views are already beautiful. There's going to be honeybees. They're creating tiered seating. So I feel like basically making kind of like a little venue almost. Wow. And then a children's play area. Okay. I don't know how I feel about a children's play area on the roof. (laughs) Doesn't sound quiet. Does not sound quiet. No. Um... But hey, I mean, I know how much you love rooftops, and I think this is going to be a really cool scene for our city. Like, the library is one of the most stunning buildings in this city already. And I would like more people to be hosting events on the roof of the library. Maybe we should have an event there. (gasps) Wow, maybe we should have an event there for our new members when they become members of our show. Yeah. What a fun idea. That's All right, a thought. we'll think about it. We'll think about it. We'll see how many members we get, and then we'll think about it. Yeah, well, we'll make up our mind then. Producer Ivana Martinez, a fire drill can't stop us. We did it. <laughs> we made it to the end of the week. <laughs> and it's a long weekend for us. Just want to give a heads up. No show or newsletter on Monday. We will be back on Tuesday. I hope you have a fantastic, long, and relaxing weekend, Ivana. Thanks, Allie. That is all for us today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Emily Means. Our producer is Ivana Martinez. Our newsletter editor is Teddy Navia, and our host is me, Ali Bayerta. Music is by the local band Mitochondria with additional music from all the kimonos. Monday's a holiday, like I said. We will be back Tuesday morning with more from around this city. Have a great weekend. Become a member this weekend, a founding member of CityCast. You can do it at membership.citycast.fm. Thank you. Bye. Oh, my God. Not the fire truck going off in the background. (laughs) Hold on. on. The fire truck is leaving. (laughs)